Hi, I'm Jay from San Diego. I'm Chase from Seattle. I'm Jamie from New York City. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is produced independently and supported by listeners like you and me. You should support the show like I did. It's easy. Just visit MaximumFun.org slash donate. Hey, gang. So listen, it's the week between Christmas and New Year's. There's no new Bullseye episode. So instead of just feeding you guys a rerun, I'm going to share a really special and unique conversation that took place at MaxFunCon East. When the legendary talk show host Dick Cavett agreed to join us in the Poconos, I was overjoyed. But then a question came up here at the office. What do you ask one of the most famous and distinctive talk show hosts in the history of the medium to do on stage? Well, this is the plan we came up with. You sit him in a chair, you put him opposite the delightful and bizarre comedian Dave Hill, and you have them do a talk show-style chat. And hey, as you listen, remember... Max FunCon, the original, is happening May 31st through June 2nd in Lake Arrowhead, and it's filling up fast. Register right now. Go to MaxFunCon.com. I promise there will be tons of magic moments just like this one. Hey, everybody. Everybody having a good time? Oh, it's so great. I, I love lunch on Saturday because I get to talk to everybody about the classes that they've been doing in the morning. And it reminds me that while an important part of Max FunCon is, you know, getting to see these amazing performances, the most important part of Max FunCon is people meeting, meeting each other and working on their own creativity. And um, I'm always moved when I talk to people about... Um, how much the classes have meant to them and, and how much their new relationships with other people who are here at Max MaxFunCon mean to them. So uh, thank you all for sharing those with me. Um, our next guest here at Max MaxFunCon, I think it's fair to say, is our headliner. He's a genuine show business legend. Um, you know him, of course, from television, but... Also, more recently from his work on the internet and his writing, he's a, an absolute personal hero of, of mine, one of the entertainers that I admire most in the world. Uh, please welcome to the stage, Dave Hill. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Dick and I were both like this back there. We didn't know. I knew you were talking about me, though. I just was acting for him. When I was growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, I was... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I was taught to believe that the odds of me ever spending a weekend at a classy mountain getaway... (laughs) with Dick Cavett, weren't very good at all. All the other kids made fun of me when I brought it up all the time. My parents told, told me I was crazy. And he, there was even times when I myself doubted that I would ever spend a weekend at a really classy mountain, mountain getaway with Dick Cavett. But I never stopped believing. And now, all these years later, you guys... Here I am, spending a weekend. Yeah. You know, the rest of it. Thank you. I met 
I first met Dick Cavett. I've known him for about five or six years now, and I don't think he expected our friendship to last this long. <laughs> um, but I, I'm completely honored to know him. Uh, he is not only the pride of Gibbon, Nebraska. Thank you. Uh, he is a man of arts and letters. He is a comedian, a writer, an author, an actor, a magician, and so much more, not least of which, the greatest talk show host of all time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the lovely and talented Mr. Dick Cavett. That was my Johnny Carson imitation. <laughs> this obviously was well, Elliot Gould. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him I couldn't come up with his name right away. <laughs> now, well, is it too hot in here for anybody? No. Okay. Oh, we have some jackets, wardrobe. Oh, there's Mrs. Cavett. <laughs> yes. She is so cute. She's a keeper. (laughs) Thank God she didn't hear that. What did you say, man? I said no. She's a she's a keeper. I I said oh, a keeper indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. at a zoo. (laughs) No, but no, but frivolously, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, well, thank you for. uh, How are you enjoying the Poconos? It's beautiful this time of year. I know. I've never seen such scenery. (laughs) I'm not likely to apparently. I, w- I want to get the... Uh, uh, these, I just got these, that. These are just murals. They, you don't have to... It's beautiful outside. Storm mm. coming to wipe us out. I know. That's part of the fun. We're all going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. I hope that isn't true. Uh, I mean, yeah. eventually, eventually. Do you remember Continue. my dear friend? You Here remember we my go. dear friend? Yeah. <laughs> I have a sense of who His name is Tom. Oh. And, uh, no, do you remember, I was speaking with someone, but it will be name-dropping if I tell you You? Whom. Yes. It's not, no, I haven't mentioned Groucho yet. Um, we were trying to remember, if we remembered, when, as kids, you learned that someday it was going to all end. That you would be no more. Now, most people remember their virginity loss. Most people may remember... I was hammered, though. To it, it, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That was the first day of school or their wedding or whatever. Wait, lost your vir- virginity on the first day of school? <laughs> it's not even one thirty. Jeez. Doesn't everybody? <laughs> um, but uh, I don't. But I remember thinking about it as a kid and thinking, I don't know anybody who's died and... Movie stars never die. Uh, But Mr. Woody Allen, who had to be told, had to have it brought to his attention when his first book of collected New Yorker pieces came out, that of the 18, maybe, were there? 
14 dealt with death in one way or another. He was unaware of that. And, but he has a piece in some magazine with no humor in it this week about the drag of knowing you're going to die. Are we entertaining you enough? <laughs> um, wouldn't it be funny if somebody dropped dead right now? Oh. It wouldn't be the first time, though, you. Are you are so right. Yeah. I mean, that's business as usual. Yeah, yeah. For you. Should, I've just teed up that story. Should we get right in? We'll, or we'll come back to it. Well, I've told it a number of times, and I'm sure everybody here has heard it. Do you guys know this story? It's really see, good see, story. they've all heard it. Don't tell it. Don't tell, well, it. Hey, you, don't tell re- it. No. When I... No, it is. So far, we've only alluded to it. But now that we will refer to it... Yes. My father was an English teacher. It drove me nuts. Um, yeah, um, I'm the only talk show host I've ever heard of who would have the only place in the Guinness Book of Records category had a guest drop dead while talking to him. Two, three, four. And um, <laughs> I lost my rhythm there. Yeah, uh, it happened. It was in all the papers then. It was much spoken of, all the newscasts. And it was um, awful. And the gods being what we, they are, whom would they select to drop dead on a talk show but a health expert? Cross my heart. J.I. Rodale of Rodale Publications, still. It's, it's still there. He was very funny. He was one of four guests. We got to the 12.30 mark, and his segment had finished. And I thought, this guy really is funny. He was on the cover of the Times Magazine that week. A guest had fallen out. We got Rodale. He talked. He was funny. I made a mental note to have him back, as you do. And in Good the next luck. segment, suddenly, and Pete Hamill, who was sitting here, Rodale was there, said, this looks bad. And uh, <laughs> it, it was bad in spades. And then, but then you couldn't air the show, this, which is the, the worst part of this story. You couldn't air oh, that yeah, episode. Yeah, Greenbacks went out the window. Yeah, uh, you had to do a rerun. The first, uh, Marshall Brickman and I watched it about three months ago after all these years. Wait, you, so it you have been, the tape? Yeah, it would have been in 71. I have a DVD of it at home. Uh, you should if you want to spook that. a party some night, I'll lend it to you. <laughs> Actually, that night, I learned later. An engineer copied, ran it off, and it hadn't hit the news yet, or the air yet, or the substitute show hadn't aired yet. And he got his girlfriend and said, let's watch the Cabot show. It's the greatest the ca- aphrodisiac out there, yeah. in my experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that uh, episode. But he watched that episode. Well, yeah, and and it kept... Actually, Brickman was in the control room, and when Rodale was clearly... But now he's on the floor, and a couple of interns were pounding his chest, and... uh, and, They wouldn't uh, let it go. Yeah. Oh, they tried to revive... Oh, I know. No, they weren't mad at him. (laughs) (laughs) Kept it... uh, The director said, cut, and Marshall said, don't cut. So I have the full live death, uh, including a, a shot from another camera of this cameraman way up on his toes so he could see Rodale on the 
floor, and it's the first hour plays beautifully, <laughs> and the next day, somebody on the staff watched it and came in and said, "Do you remember what he had said when he was alive?" Words that didn't need adding. Um, <laughs> do you know what he had said? And I said, "What?" And he said, "He said I plan to live to be a <laughs> hundred. Or just five or six more minutes. Either, it could go either way. Yeah, well, bad with numbers. <laughs> but it could be argued that, you know, where else do you go after having done the Dick Cavett show? You can die happy. I, I would be Straight happy. Up. That's wonderful of you. That's, a, that's, that's how I would look at it. Uh, he also had said, I ne- oh, he had said the one thing that guarantees you're going to be dead soon. I never felt better in my life. He had said that, and none of us remembered that. In the, we were in probably a sort of state of shock, as it was now suddenly ambulances, and the audience went back maybe half again as far as this, and you could see the disbelief uh, farther back, but the people at front could see it was curtains, a- and the the awareness went back and back because you, they came to a show to be entertained, and there makeup and laughter and a band and. The famous people and fun and <laughs> and there were people that night when I left saying, "Was that part of the show?" I crossed my heart. That will always happen. Did they get tickets like a voucher for another taping <laughs> after that? <laughs> it would have been, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. <laughs> there, there are serious problems with your mind. <laughs> Takes one to know one, Cavett. Somebody had to tell you. <laughs> Why are Wait. you dressed as Oscar Wilde? We are just about out of time. <laughs> no, sorry. I, you live at 10 Stite, Tite Street in Chelsea. I've seen your house with the purple thing on it. Oscar Wilde dwelt in <laughs> Wait, I want to get back to death for a second. I would, I would too if I were you. <laughs> Go ahead. Such a, yeah. such a prick. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> no, I wanted to say, uh, you, you on your show, uh, <coughs> some years later, uh, you had the Smothers Brothers on and with a nutritionist. I can't remember her name, but she was on. Yes. It was Smothers Brothers after the show had been canceled, a nutritionist. It may have just been the three of them. And so I looked her up. She ended up, and she was talking about the proper diet and how to, to live to be 100 or whatever. Yeah. She died less than two years later. I didn't know that. Do you have an That's album right. of some sort? You keep all these records and things in? No. That right. I did not know. Um, yeah, is it? That's right, Adele Davis. She wore like a very... Oh, Adele uh, Davis, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody, Lessethan. That was, uh, you don't hear about Lessethan. Thin anymore. Uh-oh, I have Every the anagram curse. Lecithin is an anagram for hint lice. Hint? My question... I'm never wrong. Check me on yeah, it. Yeah, but when... Do, you, do, the, do these anagrams hit you? Like, did it just hit you now? Like, you yeah. couldn't perceive... Yeah, it, they hit me, and I rearranged the word that I heard without meaning to or consciously doing it. And the two... Now that you've raised this subject, or kadeb chick is uh, that um, I played a word game all one summer with uh, 
a, sh- in a house sharing out in the island, and a lady brought the ga- word Sal- quacky. Ham salad. Was, no, what? I don't, I don't now, know. now, now, cut that out. It was a game where you throw cubes into the timer and you make as many words as you can. And this trigger, this no, no, this is per quacky. It's boggle you don't touch. Listen, you move. Them. And I got so I couldn't stop doing it day and night in my head. It's like Tetris. Yes. I'm so- I'd see the word. I'm sorry. I'd see the word. Let that pass. Um, <laughs> we'll edit that out. We'll edit that out. I'd see the word Mr. on the Mr. Donut sign. The donut was burned out. I said just Mr. And I thought merits, remits, timers. Uh, you know, and it would go on. There were several more. But the scariest was passing the marquee of the East Hampton Movie Theater. And it was Lawrence of Arabia. And it was the old-fashioned stick the letters on. And probably the kid who did it didn't know who any of the actors were. And so it said, oddly, Lawrence of Arabia starring... Alec Guinness, who of course is in it, but and I had just had a show with Peter O'Toole, so I thought I got to take this so O'Toole can see who the star of Lawrence of Arabia is. <laughs> and then I drove another half block and thought, genuine laces? No, no, I thought genuine two s's in the genuine class. Genuine class is Alec Guinness. Now, don't all check it out now. But. Can, now, can you, can you do it to your own name, or are your powers useless no, if you tell, yourself? If you, <laughs> if you assign me and say, do one with my name, it, it blocks. But pretend your name is... Dick Cavett. What? What's your name? Spiro Agnew. Grow, <laughs> grow a penis. I... I was going to... Or a not plane over. grows for a children's a plane, audience. A plane grows. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, but that's one of my earliest memories of you is on The Tonight Show. You, you did... Uh, not that you didn't just think of that, but you said that on The Tonight Show, yeah. Spiro yeah. Agnew. That's my favorite one. Yeah, it's a beautiful one because it's so apt. <laughs> <laughs> I had him on the show, my early daytime show. The, if only I had known it then. But I didn't. To go ahead. Wait, that w- that was it? Yeah. <laughs> My next I, question. I don't know if I've, I'd have said it. I had Timothy Leary on the next day. It was my first week, still petrified at doing a 90-minute talk show, and people are signaling you, and you're supposed to be listening like what you see on the screen, just two people. And somebody else has just lettered a sign and held it up and taken it down. And I don't know what I was supposed to do. As a, 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 and all this stuff coming in in five directions. Uh, and I'm trying not to look rigid with nerves. And then you think, the guest's lips have stopped moving. <laughs> they were talking. I have no idea what they were talking about. So you have to have a general, you know, do you pee in the shower? Or, you know, some <laughs> question that would fit just about anything. Margaret Thatcher, do you pee in the shower? <laughs> <laughs> Well, clearly. Uh, <laughs> clearly. Well, that's a healthy <laughs> sign. Yeah, you got you to stay hydrated. <laughs> he, he, he can't help setting me up. I don't know. That's why we work so well together. <laughs> so 
Bullseye is supported by Thing X, the new comedy site featuring original comedy videos and articles created by Adult Swim and former writers from The Onion. Check out Thing X now for an interview with Paul F. Tompkins, movie reviews from Tim Heidecker and Greg Turkington, insane how-to videos, and more, all at thingx.com. Now, your, your show, you had uh, such a diverse uh, list of group of guests on, a nutritionist, for example. Yeah. It's very hard to get uh, for a nutritionist to get a booking on a late night talk show these days. But you had Salvador Dali, John Lennon, John Crawford, Groucho Marx. Was Groucho Marx on the show at any point? No, never. No, <laughs> um, no I've just told people he was on <laughs> seven times. <laughs> Um, hoping sooner or later someone will believe it. Oh, oh, I forgot to tell you one thing about the death of Rodale. Here My go. God, Rodale is an anagram for ordeal. <laughs> you saw one born right there. <laughs> uh, that I, one of my blogs in the Times, about which I keep having to tell people, we hear you have this Times column, but we turn every page and we never find it. It's online, dummy, I and say. And it's... Uh, and has been for almost four years now that the book of them. But anyway, uh, one column began, I'll never forget the look on your face, Mr. Cavett, when that guy died on your show. And this happens to me virtually to this day. And I have to say, oh, you were there? No. Uh, how, how do you know about it? Well, I, I saw it. Then you were in the audience. Maybe the, you were there was not clear. Uh, you were in the audience, no? And what does this tell us? Either that I was eloquent in describing it the next night, or Pete Hamill, who got the column of his career that night, sitting next to the man who died and writing about it and mortality uh, and all that, Woody Allen type stuff. Um, they could pass a polygraph test that they saw it. They're not consciously lying. And it tells us what eyewitness testimony is worth, doesn't it? Any magician can tell you what eyewitness testimony is worth. I mean, uh, a, a good card what? magician told me once, uh, one of the great funs of being a magician, professional or even amateur, is getting people to describe what they think they saw five minutes ago that you did, and certainly two years ago. This is a silly little example, but magicians loved this the other night when I had a magician audience. I said... Uh, he had done a trick for a man in which the chosen card came to the top of the deck. And the guy said, how do I know it's my card? It's face down. At which point the card turned over. A nice trick. Wait, just he, on its own? Huh? Yeah, on its own. No touching. It just boop, that, flipped over. It's a nice is, trick. It's a good trick. It's an ingenious trick. You started yeah. as a magi magician. magician. Yeah, yeah. But listen, get this. He said, since then I've asked... I've asked people what trick I showed them last year, last month. It's always that trick. And I'll spare you most of their descriptions, all of which were wrong. But the best one was, you know, that trick you showed me where I had a card and it was at the top of the deck. And I said, how do I know? And you said, watch. And the card turned over and flew up on the ceiling and exploded. <laughs> Eyewitness testimony. Yeah. <laughs> No. But that would be a pretty cool trick. Yeah, nice trick. <laughs> to be yeah. fair. He went home and worked on that. You know? <laughs> but any magician has 50 stories like that. So I was witness testimony. I was going to say it's not worth shit, but it is. 
My next question. <laughs> I thought you were going to say my next guest. <laughs> no, my next guest. Yeah. What, why do you think, we, you and I have talked about this before uh, in, at our places in Montauk. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, y- your show, uh, the, the diversity of guests, but also the format, no, no one's doing that. No t- talk show is doing that anymore, like having an actual what conversation. What do you mean by that? I've been hearing that. Um, yeah, from me. Oh, <laughs> well, um, what's Jay Leno doing? Who knows? How would you know? <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. No, but I mean, they're just canned conversations. You know, oh, you know what oh. they know. What you're going to say. You know what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. The, the mo- with the exception of Letterman, I don't think any of them listen to a word the guests say. And your your show, their notes show you what the guest's going to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're just waiting to jump in with their with their lines. I love Dave Letterman's look when he's stuck with a starlet, a term some of us are old enough to remember, uh, who comes on and you wears out the word exciting. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited about my new movie, and talk about exciting directors, you know. And we had the most expect her to say, I just had a the most exciting nap. Um, <laughs> you're supposed to be in a constant state of excitement, apparently. And then they show a m- meaningless clip from the movie. She's excited at the reaction and leaves. And that's considered a talk segment, I guess. Yeah, but that's basically every, sh- every show now. But your show, you, you would actually discuss things as, uh, as they happened. They weren't, weren't they weren't scripted conversations. Yeah. You'd have people on there weren't even promoting things like Smothers Brothers. Like I said, came on when mm-hmm. they didn't even have a show. I don't think they cracked a single joke the entire time. Well, well, once they did, in that Tommy insisted he had never met me, <laughs> <laughs> and Dick was saying, "We've been on the show four times, Tommy." You know, this girl, up. and Tommy looked at, said, I, "Was I here?" <laughs> and I said, yeah. I said, look at me real closely. <laughs> and he's a very funny guy. He was a he doesn't get mentioned among the best comedians of that generation, but he's superbly talented. And we have a lot in common, don't you feel? We yeah. were both pommel horse gymnasts. I was gonna say both pommel horse gymnasts. I, those are words I never took out of your mouth. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It's exciting to think about, isn't it? The pommel horse? Yeah, just picture oh, yeah. it. Two pommel horse men in the same room. Oh, not a dry seat in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Will you stop? <laughs> Who did I just do? Charles Nelson Riley? And Rip Taylor, and uh, yeah. I think. <laughs> I, uh, Charles Nelson Riley was one of the funniest men who ever lived. I loved him. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Now that's Paul Lind. No, no. Paul Lind, I can't quite do. A friend of mine can. No one could. But I remember, I can approximate it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Let me me approximate it on your property. Um, The question is, uh, however they did it, um, Fred Astaire announced this week that he will not do this ever again. It was his retirement, obviously. They cut to Paul Lind, who always started serious with a serious look. Fred Astaire will never do this again. Um, order hair by mail. 
Um, Good night. <laughs> I got to say this before we're uh, jerked away from the stage and told to behave ourselves. Um, and this is be very, don't look at me. The, uh, me or them? I assume you have his book, uh, of which I wrote a blurb for. Oh, well, That's okay, not right. nearly enough clapping. <laughs> you can tell that. No, it's just, uh, he, he, he's a major humorist and born writer, and you should be silly not to get a lot of copies of it for your friends uh, on Hanukkah and Christmas and... Uh, really, any holiday. Just about any day, really. Yeah, no. Tasteful Nudes, you have to mention the title. I well, forgot I just it. That's all right. Tasteful Thank Nudes. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Let's get this out Left of the way. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> where's my commission? No, thank you so it's, much. It's a very well. It, you don't have to thank me because saying it's a wonderful what book is not just uh, opinion; it's a fact. Well, thank you. Ooh, well, hey, Martha, write that down. I might use it again. That's really good. <laughs> if you could very quickly go into some specifics of stuff that you liked about it. <laughs> well, we only have time for the parts I've memorized. <laughs> yeah, oh, it reads so funny. Much. It's the pleasure you got older folks from reading Benchley, Thurber, Kaufman, um, you know, Charlotte Bronte, <laughs> whoever. With the most Butch of the Brontes, in my opinion. <laughs> you tell him, Oscar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if you weren't my ride home, I wouldn't put up with this bullshit. <laughs> now that I am going to use. <laughs> mm, um, mm. No, thank you. Uh, let's get off my book and come back to it. Shortly. Okay. Um, no, but you didn't. You didn't really answer my question. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. From before, uh, but but why? Why do you think no, that no one is, is doing uh, the kind of show that that you did? Do you think? Do you think the public would not uh, put up with it because it's it's oh, a superior oh, format? I like know. for a long time. I mean, I'm not. I'm not knocking the current late night shows. I enjoy them all, but I. Uh, Lament always that your your show is not on, and then one day it occurred to me that I can just put the the DVDs in every night at eleven thirty. Right. Uh, now sure. on Shout Factory. See how yeah, I did that? Thank you for that. I'm you sure that everyone here has a loved one who has given them the Cavett Show DVDs for their birthday or Christmas. But you know, a lot of people don't know they exist. I still hear this. Why don't they put out some DVDs? Where can we see Catherine Hepburn? Where can we see Robert Mitchum, Marlon, Marlon Perkins, is it? <laughs> uh, and uh, stuff like that. But they're there. Amazon, Dick Cavett Show, cash register sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but why, why do you think that? Why do you think no one is, can, is doing that for me? Is because I can't do it? Or? I don't know. I, I, I guess I never think in those terms. Do I'm you guys agree that, you that it's better? I, I have no answer for you. Here's a question. What about the reverse douche of c cold air that is pouring down on us? Oh. 
for me. This I thought you were back on anagrams. <laughs> if I get pneumonia from this gig... <laughs> I'm just trying to make history repeat itself. <laughs> no, I don't want you to die. Don't die on me, Dick. Don't. I'm just... What? Oh, high five. If it goes like that, you don't go like this, Oscar. Oh, uh... I thought you were giving me the forearm. I thought you were just <laughs> oh, yeah, enough, enough. Wrong. All right, wait. Uh, the fir- ah, there it is. We're not we're we're not the most high fivey kind of guys. That's no. history right there. Neither one of us it may be thought to be well because you never worked the pommel horse. That's why you're not. Well, I can hurt. Ask people, around. <laughs> Room well, six ninety six. <laughs> They're still vacuuming. Well, after I, the mopping. I don't know. I'm he riffs, doesn't he? It's really something to Wait, see. Wait, what? You riff like that. It's something to see. Or block out A entirely. mild rant. <laughs> 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 well, where are we now? You we mentioned seem, we seem to have run out of conversation, and uh, it was supposed to be running no, out of didn't. us. <laughs> no, I wanted to ask you about... You mentioned... Ooh, some people got that. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to review the tapes. Uh... You mentioned Catherine Hepburn. I love your story of having her on your program. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I'll let you tell it. There's been... Uh, what part of it? The part... You know, where you roll the tape. Oh, oh, yeah. You know where she's it was a long campaign trying to get her on. Everybody said it'll never happen. Um, I met Irene Mayer Selznick. Is that a movie name enough? Uh, a woman who came up to me at a party once on talking squeezed my face together like this. And I didn't think that was very funny. And she said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I was said... Was this before or after you and I met? Oh, way before. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and uh, she... <laughs> yeah, she said, you don't know who I am. A thing that always gets me. And I said, Betty Crocker? Uh, I, the only thing I could think of that was slightly insulting. That, uh, did it but, go over well then? Well, it was the, it was the uh, I'm just going to carry on. It was the um, it was the uh, widow of uh, David O. Selznick and uh, daughter of Louis B. Mayer, and she said, "My friend Kate is thinking about doing your show, but I I think I could help you with it if you really want her to." Well, that was the first I heard that it might happen. Then I had a conversation Wait, with... Wait, she just her. said my friend Kate? Kate, yeah. She needs to get over herself. She can't just say, <laughs> my friend Kate. She wrote a book. You can read it and cut it to pieces if you like. <laughs> and uh, then I talked to her friend Kate, though I didn't call her that, and she said, well, I'm thinking about it, and um, if we don't like it, we can just burn the tapes. And <laughs> Sure, Miss Hepburn, yeah, that'll only cost a buck and a half. Um, but anyway, then I had to go into her house, 244 East 49, next door to Steve and Sondheim. Uh, uh, I used to say Gutenberg. I didn't, I, I, the Canans, he used to live next door. You remember Who? the Canans, Ruth and Gar? Oh, how are they? Ruth Gordon and Garson Canan. Oh. They wrote... Born Yesterday, and, if, and she was a great actress. And so oh, yeah. You Ruth Gordon, that? of course. You were a big Ruth Gordon fan. Anyway. Wait, what? So yeah. I, sa- I went into her nice townhouse, and she sat on the floor, and 
said, I want to hear everything about the man who died on your show. Her dad was a doctor, and she was a medical freak, and as they say, as, the, as Richard Nixon would say, as the kids say these days. And I told her all about it. And I, One thing I remember, I said, right after it happened, I felt his wrist, and at that point, you know, just before, I'd have to be before that point, people said, you said, are we boring you, Mr. Rodale? I don't think I did, and I don't think it's on the tape. I wonder where that came from. Another eyewitness thing. But I said, I found myself standing at the edge of the stage and heard myself say, is there a doctor in the audience? And I said, I wondered why I felt the need to take that pause and change the obvious word. And she said, well, you knew is there a doctor in the house would get a laugh. And, of course, she was right. Maybe we should say it now. (laughs) (laughs) Ow! Um, And uh, she was so damn smart. But she did come do the show. But first she said, I'm going to come see the studio. No guest in history did that. Fred Astaire, the Luntz, Noel Coward didn't come see the studio. Uh, Brando, they just... She looked around the set, and I had said to my producer that one of the first times I've had an idea for production, I said, why don't we um, tape her coming here? We'll say it's, you know, we wanted to see how it feels to be around cameras and whatever we need to say. And she's never been on television, and she won't know what red lights are, no, whatever. And we don't want to get caught, but uh, she probably won't do the show. Sounds like she's not going to. We'll have a souvenir. So she came. She looked about. She said, that carpet's awfully orange and bright, isn't it? And so on and so on. Uh, You can see this thing I'm describing on YouTube called Catherine Hepburn Rearranges the Furniture on the Dick Cavett Show. (laughs) My favorite moment was she wanted to see how... She wanted to put her foot up and move the table and then said, what is this thing for? Nobody answers me. Everybody, the band, some of them were there, about ten people entranced watching Hepburn move about like a a raven-beaked inspector of some sort. (laughs) And then there was this little wooden, silly fence behind the chairs, and she said, I don't think we need that. Um, She just sounds like a bitch. Yeah. That was what you said earlier. (laughs) And uh, she said, yes, yeah, so that was very rude. Well, not, uh, it was, she thought it was rude about what I'm about to tell you. She said, th- th- that fence back there, I don't see any, something like that. And the stage agent said, oh, we're deaf to unscrew the, don't tell me what's wrong, just fix it. <laughs> you call that rude? Where were you born? No, that's wonderful. <laughs> well, her next great line was, sat down, this is fine, supposed to do the show two days from then. Why don't we just do it now? And that's what happened. I was in my sneakers and a semi-clean blue shirt and white pants, and uh, I couldn't shut her up for three hours. We got two 90-minute shows out of it, and 25 that you can only see on the Cabot Show DVD. (laughs) No, no, don't, don't, don't run out now and buy it, but... Well, what I like to do, what I would recommend, 
is to buy the DVDs and and get your book talk show, and that that you, we have a whole night of entertainment that way. Yes, See how I got that's that plug right. in. Boy. Speaking of incredible books, <laughs> I'm not the only great author here on this stage. Any more anything more sickening than two guys plugging each other's books? <laughs> <laughs> is that a euphemism? Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think I got that. I, I, I should think not. Um, <laughs> it's funny, that book has 75 pieces on every subject you can imagine, from um, General Petraeus to John oh, Wayne to obesity. Oh, we're talking about your to, book. Yeah, my, we're, we're back on my book again. <laughs> and, and, and people I've met and some ghost stories, a hair-raising story told to me by Basil Rathbone is, I think, the 34th piece I wrote for the time. Uh, and of all those pieces, one line is repeatedly quoted. It's in a piece on... Oh, I, I think I called it... They let me write the headlines, which is rare. Um, the Wild Wordsmith of Wasilla. Oh. I, uh, and I said this about... This is my favorite. I'm, uh, go ahead. Is it? I know the I know the line. Oh, it Go has. Ahead. Well, maybe the, I hope this is the one. Now that you've said that, um, she seems to have no first language. Yes, that's the that's one. Is that too unkind? That's it's perfect. Yeah. It sums her up. Certainly deserves it. You hit that one out of the park. You were, but no, that's it. Oh, another one you might have some fun with is Nixon White House Wants Revenge on Cabot Show. That's also on uh, oh, be, YouTube. On the, the Watergate tapes, Nixon uh, talks about one. He t- says to H.S. Uh, Haldeman? H.R. Haldeman. H.R. Haldeman, yeah. The, uh, the, the, the White House chief of staff that he wants to screw you. How can we screw him yeah. after your John Kerry interview? Yeah. That and the fact that I testified... Uh, John Lennon asked me if I would come down to the courthouse a few days after doing the show. And, now uh, that and does sound like a euphemism. What? Say that no, again. I dare I'm you. Sorry. I dare you to say that in my presence. Yeah. Uh, to say, so the Nixon White House couldn't boot him uh, and Yoko, presumably, out of the country. Um, the Yoko. And then, but then John Kerry came on in a sort of nasty little man that the White House coached to come on and debate Kerry and lied about having coached him. Can you imagine dishonesty in the Nixon White House? I refuse to believe it. So that was interesting. And uh, years later, the thing you mentioned, I was picked up for some show in California in a very dark limousine, and I thought, this is sort of like certain crime movies start. You look around an airport, you're get into a car, and you're whisked away like Joseph Cotton is in The Third Man, and you don't know where you're going, and a guy f- who looks a little too official, and he's, even though it's a suit, like a Secret Service guy, uh, flips open a laptop, and there's Nixon and his aforementioned uh, lick spittle H.R. Haldeman. It's an Elizabethan term. Um, and it looks like it's going to move. It doesn't. They're in the Oval Office, Nixon here. And the words appear, and they also, the sound appears. So what is Cabot anyway? Oh, he's the worst. He, you know, we've been trying to do something. He packs every show with, I don't remember it all, Nixon interrupts again there. Then he gets to the best line. It's quite brief, but the best line of all, 
you know, you grow up as a little kid and you hope you'll get somewhere someday. And you live to hear the most important man in the world, the most powerful man in the world, and the leader of your country say, Cabot, how can we screw him? <laughs> Uh, I know, it's harsh language, but I'd rather have it than my Emmy Awards. But, I'll, <laughs> but all, all the years, years later, they did it. You're sitting here with me. <laughs> this is it. it. God, what Took a... Took them a while, but they got oh, you. Oh, what a long-lying plot they wove <laughs> or whatever. Oh, actually, they did screw uh, me a little, but... Um, and probably the ways I still may learn about when more tapes come out. I'm told I'm in others. But uh, I ran into one of my former staff members a couple years later, uh, and uh, after Lennon and the whole thing that had offended, made me not persona grata at 20-whatever-100 Pennsylvania Avenue. And she said, you know, I got audited. And I was talking to Arlene, another lady on the staff, and she got audited too. And I said, when? Just now? No, no, back then. And then another staff member, and it turns out the son of a bi- uh, the president um, <laughs> audited everybody on my staff, which was punishing to some of the lower-level people, of course, and others. So among his hobbies was um, illegally punishing people with the IRS, as we knew, but he actually went to the trouble to do that. I wish he were here now, don't you? <laughs> we all do. <laughs> yeah. Now he was a brilliant man and probably had a higher IQ than various presidents who surrounded his term in office by maybe far. A friend of mine saw him after California when he went back to practicing law for a while before he was president present at the Supreme Court and said he was just brilliant. He did things without notes that people have to read clumsily from and his knowledge was impeccable. So it's a shame. It's a, if, if psychiatry had worked uh, on his mental illnesses and paranoia, uh, he probably could have been a great president. But let's not find out. <laughs> <laughs> you, one, one of my favorite guests that you had on your show uh, was Janis Joplin. Janis Joplin, and the one singer, of your close friend, Janis, the singing yeah. Janis. Yeah, the the one we still talk about to this day. Yeah, I know the name. Yeah, well, she was a good friend of yours. Very. And my favorite. Keep episode, at it. My well, I'll tell you. My, <laughs> my, I think we've talked about this. But my favorite episode is with her and Raquel Welch, and conventional. Yes, uh, that was terrific. And, you know, I think like, but I put it in, and I think like Raquel Welch in her prime. Janis Joplin, weeks away from her death, and you think Raquel Welch is going to yeah. be, so I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to go to town on myself after this episode. <laughs> Wait, that's not what I had in my notes. That's not. Show, show me no, where it says that. But, uh, <laughs> no, it, and then you watch it, and Raquel Welch comes out, and she's gorgeous, and, and all this and that, and then Janis Joplin comes out, and by the, the end of the episode, I'm like, I would totally get with Janis Joplin. Despite the stringy hair. And yeah, she yeah. crushes Raquel Welch. Yeah. And, the, and this is there. on the DVD, the Shout Factory DVDs. Yeah. The Dick Cavett Show. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Available now in the popular DVD format. 
There's one point where I'm not sure this is on there or if I heard it just before we came back from commercial, but Raquel had been talking about some movie and casting it in her mind, and she had said to Janice, there's the part uh, of a virgin in the movie that would be a good part for you. Janice said, a little late, honey. (laughs) 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 That was nice. But do you agree with me? Do you, would you say if you had to choose between the two? I did. Well. You get people to tell things they would never <laughs> tell anywhere else. Wow. Can't remember, but I did. I don't, she probably couldn't remember either. <laughs> what? Why is that? I, I wish your wife were sitting in the front row. Oh, no, I didn't mean it that way. I no, just meant she was like blacked out not. or something. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't mean it as an know, insult. I know. You'd never do anything I mean, that bad to me. I or stuff alone, you're a wildcat, yes. I think. I'm a bit of a wildcat. Yes. <laughs> do you... God, it's cold here. So what is... Usually it's too hot. I mean, I did one of these where I realized the guests and I were running water down our faces, and it, it's so gradual that, um, uh, but I think cold, it's cold as a teacher's wit here. Um, <laughs> teacher's wit, go ahead. I thought you were going to say. What, what are your favorite, what's your, do you have a favorite memory no. from, from the day? No. Let me finish. Let me do what Norman Mailer did to me. Why don't you just look at the question sheet and read the next question? And why don't you fold it five, five ways and stick it where the moon don't shine? Put it wherever the moon don't shine. Yeah, that's what I said to him. Uh, people remember to stick it. That's what I was trying stick to Stick it where... Yeah, because stick it would be vulgar. Yes. <laughs> that's maybe the longest laugh I ever got in my life on or off television. And... Again, the correct version is why don't you fold it five ways and put it where the moon don't shine. In German, I had to translate it for Westdeutsche Fernsehen when I was in Berlin. And I came out with it. Warum fallen Sie es nicht fünfmal und legen Sie es dabei, wo der Mond nicht scheint? And then... And that, sorry. You that, couldn't hear my heel click. But that <laughs> and that was an incredible... Uh, that was Gore Vidal and Norman Mailer. Gore Vidal and Norman Mailer. And it also has a great line after, afterward, Norman Mailer headbutted Gore Vidal after the show. Uh, or punched I think him. it was before the show in the green room. And right? Gore Vidal said, Norman Mailer at a loss for words once yes, again. Yes, once again, words fail. Oh, Norman well, Mailer. Yeah. That, that, that was a separate event. That was actually oh. at a party where Bobby Kennedy oh, it was, uh, oh. tried to throw, had Gore thrown out of a party in Washington or something. And, and Mailer came over and pushed Gore. And Gore reminded Mailer that he was bigger than Norman. And he came again, and Gore pushed him, and he fell backwards into a bookcase or something. And um, then he was, he was asked to leave because the party was going in the wrong direction. I guess. <laughs> but that's fascinating stuff. Writers, and, 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 and then Gore's brilliant line, 
Once again, words fail, Norman. <laughs> they, were, they were actually good friends at a period, and they were two, two writers whose star went straight up. Uh, stars don't move, do they? Uh, rockets, whatever. Um, with Norman's great uh, novel and Gore's novel with a homosexual theme. The British say homosexual. Um, sounds nicer. Uh, made them both huge literary stars, and they remain stars. In fact, I learned with all this animosity between them and that notorious show of mine with the two, uh, which included the words, well, I'll tell you what I detest about you, Norman. Um, your love of murder, so on. Uh, he um, took Norman in to his lovely house on the Hudson when Norman was having a lot of psychological problems, as you might after you've stabbed your wife. Yeah. And, um, Twice, and so, Wait, two and they, separate so they were really good friends. Or two, uh, I learned thrusts. this year that he's first at the front and then again in the back, and she could, might have died. So as on that show, he says, "We know I stabbed my wife, Gore. We know you're playing on that." And Gore says, "I didn't bring that up, you know." And so on. Here's a th- lovely thing for that show. Do you, do, can we do lovely for a moment, please? Yeah. <laughs> people are look scre- at me. People are screaming for it. <laughs> I have a pretty good memory for things I haven't memorized. And I heard a sentence from Gore on that show that was so felicitous that the audience applauded it for its verbal beauty. I have never seen this happen before or since. Norman, let me, I'll try not to blow it. Norman had said, Gore, can you just talk to me? Gore had gotten a laugh, which rankled Norman because humor was pretty much left out of Norman. And uh, Gore, can you just stop going for the yucks, but, you know, just talk to me. Why don't you talk to me instead of the audience? And here's what I think exactly Gore said. Well, I'd be happy to talk to you, Norman, but by a strange chance we find ourselves not at the friendly neighborhood bar, but by election in front of a studio audience. And though it would be dishonest, then, for us to pretend otherwise. That's it. You wrote, you wrote beautifully about him uh, when he died. Yeah, I, I did my blog, uh, Times column. NY Times Cavett will get it to the two or three of you who don't read it every time. Um, and that one was uh, easy to read. I cried in writing it a, for a moment or two, uh, but got hold of myself like a man. <laughs> one of Richard Nixon's favorite phrases was, he was a real man. And um, people cried when they read it. It's funny to make people cry in writing. My last two columns, one, no, it probably came down yesterday, have been about my meeting Stan Laurel and time I spent with Stan Laurel, and every hundred, several hundred emails came in. Almost every one said I wept or I cried or I blubbered or something. It wasn't written to make to do that. I don't even know what part of it exactly caused the tears unless it was his telling me that it was hard for him and Babe, as Oliver Hardy was called, uh, to see their movies cut uh, on television, which they made no money. None, ever. Their 
movies made billions of dollars all over the world, none of which they partook of. That didn't bother Stan. But he said they cut them so badly. And it bothered me the way they cut the gags. And I offered to recut them for them. But they never bothered to answer my letter. That's kind of sad. But he wasn't sad about it. He was wonderful. He hated What's My Line. He called it the snob family. (laughs) 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 Kind of cute. We we have to... uh we should probably touch on Groucho Marx at some point oh, this evening. Must we? We should, right? Okay. We should. We yeah. haven't talked about him yet. Okay. Yeah, we better do it fast do before any... my bronchitis sets in. From the... <laughs> Could you throw another log on the air conditioning? <laughs> do, you ha- do you have any Groucho Marx stories? No. <laughs> no, I, I misplaced them all. First laugh, met Groucho right after George S. Kaufman's funeral. Kaufman you, was You followed Groucho. him home, right? I, well, no, I followed it. it was, he lived in California, but it was a, the funeral was in New York. Kaufman was his god, as he was almost every humorist and actor because of the plays he wrote and directed, of course, and what he did to Eddie Fisher on a game show once. And um, I, I stunned. There sat Groucho Marx. It hadn't occurred to me though it should have, he would be at George S. Kaufman's funeral, having written some of their movies and directed them. Followed him to the corner, A. Burroughs, reference you may not know, and Art Carney left Groucho. He started down Fifth Avenue. And I said, Groucho, I had a, luckily a witty line. I said, I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> and I suddenly thought, oh my God, how many times has he... But he was ready. He said, well, if it gets any hotter, I could use a big fan. Eh? <laughs> and, um, and we walked down Fifth Avenue. And uh, <laughs> Have you used that ever? <laughs> we walked down Fifth Avenue, and it was just ago. a dream. It was a dream to me. And uh, it sounded like the, what he called the game show. We bet your life. We got to 59th, and he said, well, you're a nice young man, and... Uh, I'd like you to have lunch with me. So we went into the oak room of the plaza. I thought, you can shoot me now. I'm just, this, just, just let this end, and then I won't need any more out of life. Um, next thing I knew, the maitre d' came over, and Groucho said, do you have any fruit in the kitchen? I mean, besides the chef. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, that was humor in those days, Yeah, that's gold. The preface to this is that at age 10, in Farmer's Market, in Hollywood, a dyed-in-the-wool Groucho fan at age 10 or 12, whatever it was, Farmer's Market chicken leg stand. I bought a chicken leg, and the woman said, Hey, kid, you should have been here. Groucho Marx was standing right where you are two minutes ago. And I thought, well, there is no God. Does anyone need more proof than that? Um, And I, of course, looked around to sea of people, and I thought, I'll never, never meet Groucho Marx. But I came close. He was directed by a man named Sam Wood. There are a couple of movies. They detested each other. But Wood, W-O-O-D, the normal way, said, um, made the mistake of saying, 
looking at Groucho in front of the staff crew, uh, you can't make an actor out of clay. Groucho said, no, a director out of wood. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> now that one I did not get. <laughs> well, the older folks will explain it to you. Wood used to have a different meaning. But that's beautiful. How, 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 who can I check in with uh, time-wise? Wait, wait, what's that? I won't wrap it up. No, uh, only because there's classes. Wrap it in. Are, are you? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Come Mr. Cabot. Don't let that Jesus. hang there. <laughs> Where have I heard that before? Um, are you taking any classes while you're here? In the Doing Pocono's? what? Taking any classes while you're here? Am I taking any courses? Yeah. Here in the Poconos. Oh, no, I can't because I have to. We would, we've been urged to, get, to have to leave town because I have a vulnerable house on the seacoast. It's a real shithole. Real uh, shithole. No, I've told him to fix the place up, but he won't listen. No, I'm sorry. No, I know. I, I, I heard you, and I know what you mean, and I know your heart's in the, almost the right place. <laughs> can work on it. No, I'd love to take some classes. I never... Uh, I, I had acting in two times in my life. Taught to me, I mean, <laughs> supposedly. Um, somebody once opened a... Didn't somebody try to open up a school of comedy out in California or something? There are people who coach stand-up people, I know. But the something school of comedy, and they sent the sleaziest brochures... Learn to be Bob Hope and Groucho Marx and, you know, stuff like that. When was this? Last week. Oh, wow. How's that, that going? That's how out of it they were. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Holt. <laughs> anyway. You recently signed up for Twitter. Is that accurate? Is that really you? Twitter? The popular uh, social networking site. Is it a song? I'm a few bars. Uh, no, I don't... Tweeter or Twatter or whatever you... Wait, so the Twitter... The, there is a Decavit on Twitter that is not you. No. Are you serious? I am. Do you know about this? But it, So that is his I'm account. I'm on Twitter? <laughs> Did you put me on Twitter? With that, so that is his account. I'm on Facebook, but I loathe it, and I never go there. And if you want to reach me on Facebook, forget it. It's a bore and a pain in the ass. Wait. And we happen to have here the inventor of Facebook, Mr. You know. No. Oh, I know. I, twi- I twatted. You, you I took tweeted. Over, yeah, John, you took over John Hodgman's Oh, account. John Hodgman, who generously let me tweet on his twaddle or whatever they are. <laughs> Uh, and what it was, was that? It was like? actually great fun, and uh, I, I, but I don't know. I'm told it would take a lot of time that would take me away from my seashell collection. Yes, <laughs> we're getting silly now. In Monta- <laughs> yeah, what? No, I don't. I haven't done that. Um, well, you're not I, following I me. Is what the reason I brought it up? Good. So I'm glad you're not on it. You uh, should get on it. 
Huh? You oh, should get. I'm on. on I'm on it. I know. Yeah, I just signed up earlier. I just realized uh, that you uh, you are. I should be. I wish I'd. Are the old ones still there? Did oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all there on the Go net. Back through them all. Okay. On the net. Uh, are you right? Will there be another book? A follow up to talk show? I hadn't. Th- I haven't thought in terms of another book. I guess if I hang on long enough. What are your plans writing, for that? Uh, to what? Nothing. No, I've, I've got to know what you said. I missed it. <laughs> I just said, what are your plans for that? Oh, hang for hanging on. For hanging on. A lot of vitamins. <laughs> uh, I, uh, you look great. Doesn't he look great? Well. <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying there hasn't been a lot of work done. I'm just saying you look great. Yeah. Well, you're no dog yourself. I mean. Well, it's not the years. It's the miles. It's. That's wonderful. I don't even uh, know. No, I, I suppose if I get 75 more columns, maybe, uh, yeah, some really good ones. What happened? I've been canceled before, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> good God. How That's they treat- maybe a sign. They don't know how to treat I think the Masons are in here next. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, anyway, please check out my blog, unless you're part of the 74% of the country that doesn't have enough brains and they're feeling... uh, Why don't they just put it in the paper? Wasn't that... uh, Well, that's interesting. Wasn't that Romney's uh, figure, 74% of the country of cheeses and... 47. Right? Oh, 47%. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, I've give. I'm, I've been very cruel to him. I'm sorry. So, oh yeah, what's the anagram for Mitt Romney? This is a good way to go out. Oh, you see, I can't do that if I'm on command. It. Okay. But as what soon is, as I go to the men's room and pee, it'll come to me. What if I flip it? What's an anagram from Barack Obama, and then you'll get it. I don't know, but you know, for years I wondered what one was for my name and nonsense like Tad Vickett or something. And then one day, in coming out of sleep, Richard A. Cavett, I thought, uh, contains, catch it, a rare VD. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) I think that's a good one to go out on. Thank you, Dick Cavett. Thank you, man. Dave Hill, Dick Cavett, ladies and gentlemen. Go get our books. Um, Mr. Cavett has to pee. However... Um, uh, Dick, if you, if you wouldn't mind coming back up here for a second, I know that you're warming yourself by the <laughs> oil oil drum fire we've lit back there. <laughs> um, it, it is such a sincere honor to have uh, Dick Cavett here at Max Von Con. I, I can't imagine anyone um, who would be a more significant and, and honored guest to have at our festival, someone who... Um, someone who symbolizes 
the value of humor and intelligence and insight that we strive for at MaximumFun.org. And so seriously, Dick, get out here. I can't keep thinking of good things about you. There's only so many. We've got to get a backstage monitor, apparently. You, sir, with the ponytail, please. Go get the famous talk show host. <laughs> Let's hear it for the guy with the ponytail. Bringing out Mr. Cavett. Um, Dick, it's, it was an honor to have you on the show. It's been an honor to get to know you in real life. And um, I'd like to take this opportunity to present to you our first ever Lifetime Achievement Award for achievements, for achievements in being awesome. So thank you very much. It's backwards that way. <laughs> Dick Cavett, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, of course. I'd like to thank <laughs> my producer. But will they ever make a law against thanking people on awards <laughs> ceremonies that you never heard of and don't give a damn about? And is this mic on? This is very nice. I got an ACE award once and dropped it on my foot, and that's what I was doing there. But uh, thank you. I'm touched. I, I, I like it. I, I will keep it. I'll take it home. And um, thank you. Oh, and uh, Spike Jones wants his suit back. Dick Cavett in conversation with Dave Hill at MaxFunCon East in October of 2012. MaxFunCon West is May 31st through June 2nd at Lake Arrowhead. Register now at MaxFunCon.com. And hey, guess what? Dave Hill's podcast, The Dave Hill Podcasting Incident, is the latest member of the MaximumFun.org family. You can subscribe for free in iTunes or whatever software you use to listen to your podcasts.